You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to another edition of Hawk Talk Podcast. This time we're recapping, unfortunately, the Seahawks' loss to the 49ers, dropping it 27-7 to down in Santa Clara. It was not a great game for the Seahawks. Um, couldn't really get things going offensively, defensively. It was a tough matchup all the way around. I'm about to be joined by my co-host, Michael Bumpus, to tell you, what had happened? See, what had happened at first was... <laughs> what happened was... What had happened was... On Hawk Talk. Bump. Man. Yeah. Ah. I was I was at home kind of in my feelings a little bit after the game, cutting up post-game sound, and I was just thinking, man, mama said there'd be days like this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's just all I can think about because it was just one of those games, man. The Seahawks did not play their best football. It was a tough matchup against a young team coming off one of the biggest wins in terms of just pure emotion and then yeah. now going to your first road game is that collective unit going down to Santa Clara and playing a good 49ers team we knew that defense was going to be legit and it was just a tough matchup and things just didn't go the Hawks way no it didn't go the Hawks way and uh it happened in the opening drive man the Niners go 11 plays 73 yards but they settled for a field goal then the Seahawks get the ball um and they punt and the Niners going another long drive seven plays 74 yards again selling for three that was Early in that game, you saw the Niners putting drives together and selling for field goals. You're like, okay, eventually the Seahawks are going to get things going. And then the inevitable happened, I feel like, with Trey Lance. The way they were running this young man, you felt like eventually he was going to get hurt. He didn't seem like a runner. He seemed like he could run, but not necessarily a runner. Um, And that's what happened, man. He broke his ankle, and uh, he's going to have to have ending, uh, ending season surgery. And uh, as always, we never wish bad on anybody, man. So prayers up to, to Lance. Yeah, it's a hard thing to see. I mean, you feel bad for the kid, especially given what the Fort Niners gave, gave up for him, all the pressure going into this season for Trey Lance. And we talked about it a little bit on the pregame show. I know Robert Turbin Turbo was talking about how he was concerned, you know, because they do these QB powers. And it's not just scrambling their design QB runs on the interior. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like he got 50 carries in that game. Obviously, we didn't get there. I think it was his third carry of the game, maybe, by the time he got hurt. So definitely don't want to see that for Trey Lance. But another thing, when we saw that injury happen, we all looked at each other and were like, "Uh uh-oh. Because (laughs) we know what Jimmy G can do. And the Seahawks have had his number over since he's been in San Francisco. But we know what he's capable of. And when you prepare all week, you know this as a coach, you prepare all week to see one quarterback and you have all your calls and your looks and you prepare for a Trey Lance and then you get a Jimmy G who's a completely different player that definitely is going to throw things off a bit. And when Jimmy G got in the ballgame bump, that's when things really got going. Yeah, it got going to look different, man. I've never been more afraid of a backup quarterback than the actual starter. With Trey Lance, he felt like, okay, he's young. This playbook's going to be limited. Jimmy comes in. What does he do? Four plays, 78 yards. Um, gets Ross Dwelly wide open, making a score 13 to zero. And you felt the energy kind of change with the 49ers. I think a lot of these players wanted Jimmy to be in this game anyway. So once he was in, it was like they were rejuvenated. And then Geno Smith gets intercepted on the next drive, but the defense holds again and the 49ers turn the ball over. So there was like opportunities. There were opportunities in this game for the Seahawks to kind of take it over, right? The 49ers didn't necessarily put them away until later in that game. 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, after that sequence you just talked about, you thought the Seahawks were finally in business, right? They get the they get the football, they run uh, before they run that quick trick play. Geno's intercepted, you know what I'm saying? And the Seahawks get the ball back. That flea flicker. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Not, yeah. not even really a flea flicker, throwback. So Shane Waldron draws up a beautiful play, handoff to Ken Walker. Ken Walker tosses back to Geno Smith. Geno Smith finds DK for a 49 yard reception. A huge play. Huge play. Okay, boom. There's the momentum we need. Illegal lineman downfield. I think they got Abe Lucas on that, which is a tough play. If Ray was here, he would tell us about you're engaged with a guy and you're driving mm-hmm. him back. And then, you know, the NFL is emphasizing that rule this year is lineman downfield. It's a hard two yards. It seemed like he might have drifted a little past that. It, it's a really tough call, and it's really disappointing because it has nothing to do with the play. It's on the backside. That guy was nowhere near the play, so that's tough. Then the Seahawks get down in the red zone. They're thinking, okay, here we go. They got over the Geno interception because it got called back. And then we see the four running back formation, Bump, yeah. which I love, which I love. And I know it's yeah. getting a ton of heat like right it. now. And I, it's tough because they're only in it for a couple of possessions or a couple of plays. And there's just so many things you can do off it. Ken Walker did that a bunch at Michigan State. So there's full confidence in him that he can do that. He can call the plays. He can get everybody lined up. There's so many different things you can do off that. The zone read, you have an option look. Well, when the Seahawks ran it, they give it to DJ Dallas, and I think there's a lot going on. DJ's excited. Uh, DK Metcalf runs kind of a stutter go, and then DJ just unfortunately, who played some quarterback, it's not like he can't throw the football. I think it's just a rainy, wet day. The game speeds up on you. A lot happened, and unfortunately, DJ was intercepted in the end zone, and that was the Seahawks' best opportunity to score, and then things mm-hmm. really went downhill from there. Yeah, feel bad for DJ. You know he can make that throw nine times out of ten, man. It just kind of got away from him a little bit. Then after that, it gets a little worse. Okay, Xavier Crawford was blocked into title Lockett while he was trying to field a punt. That is a muff. Niners get great field position three plays later. They score Kyle Juszczyk one-yard touchdown, making the score 20-0 at halftime. Now, you're down 20-0. to I've heard this a lot. People saying, why didn't they run the ball more, do this and that? You're down 20-0 against a very good defense. You have to throw the football. Uh, That's exactly what they did. Um, Just couldn't really get a, a nice flow going there in the second half. Yeah, it's really hard. Anytime you look at total plays, if you're under 50 plays in the National Football League, that's really hard to win a football game. Yeah. At the end of the Broncos game, the Seahawks only had three legit uh, possessions in the second half, and it was essentially the same this game against the 49ers. When you're down 20 to zero, you're hoping they'd come out of the locker room and get things going on that first drive. But then Joey Bosa makes some plays. Then you're behind the sticks again, and I think this offense can be incredibly explosive and can be really good. We have we've only seen the a small part, tip of the iceberg in terms of their potential, but as of right now, their strong suit is not from playing from behind. Is not when you're down 20-0 and you got to throw the ball a million times, and it's unfortunate because you don't get you don't get um, Rashad Penny involved in the game the way you'd want to. You don't get Ken Walker involved in the game you want to. Obviously, we know that's a big part of what Pete wants to do, a big part of what Shane Waldron wants to do. So it was tough, but um, there was a bright spot in that football game. What happened? Yes, there was a bright spot, man. You got Tariq Woolen and Mike Jackson combining for the biggest play of the year so far. Uh, Tariq Woolen, man, blocked the field goal. Mike Jackson, man, the most fortunate man in the NFL right now. Two fumble yeah. recoveries in week one. Got a scoop and score. Mike, excuse me, Tariq Woolen blocks it. Mike Jack scoops it up. 86 yards, touchdown. And you know what? And he didn't take a playoff. He was back out there on defense. Oh, of course. I love Mike Jackson, man. I love both of those guys. I love the rookies. Or yeah. Tariq, the rookie, and Mike Jackson, second year, your third year player. But um, he's just making a ton of plays. We, we fell in love with him in the preseason, and he's just balling out. So, so good to see. But overall, Bump, when you look at the box score, man, 
it's hard to win football games when you look at the box score for the Seahawks. 49ers dominated time of possession, 38-20 to 21-40. 49ers had 25 first downs to the Seahawks 14, and the Seahawks turned the ball over three times, and 49ers didn't do it once. It's really hard to win a football game that way, Bob. Yeah, man, you got to take care of the football. You got to possess the football. If uh, you're turning the football over and you're not controlling it, then you're not control the football game. And that's what the Niners did. They pretty much controlled the football game, man. Uh, the Seahawks were penalized also 10 times for 106 yards. The 49ers just won for 26. Now, Pete Carroll's a head coach. He's he's not going to come out and say maybe there's something going on with the refing. I've never been in a game, seen a game where it's heavy penalized on one side, Harley on the other side. I know the referees have a tough job. I yep. get it. But there are some calls that were suspect. One call or a couple calls that that baffled me a little bit are the uncatchable balls yeah. thrown to receivers. But if the receiver just makes an attempt to go after the football, then it's an automatic PI. That's tough on the DB. You got to play Daniel perfect football in that position uh, to not get that called on you. Yeah. It's one of those things where you wonder, it's like, man, I, I guess in that game, it's like, well, I guess the Seahawks have just done the same thing and just ran DK down the field and then throw a bomb up there and, and hope you know, to get a penalty, obviously that's not a game plan, but the way it was being called was really right. hard. Many times it's 10 to one and it's, it's frustrating because he, they were all on third downs. It felt like every big penalty Seahawks mm-hmm. got was on a third down or a big play that nullified it. And when you can't get off the field, that's why the time of possession was so lopsided. So, well, that was tough. Hopefully the Seahawks can get it turned around uh, this week when they take on the Atlanta Falcons. The Seahawks will get their rematch against those 49ers in December on Thursday night football bump. It wasn't a great day out there overall, but there was some playmakers. Touchdown, Seahawks! Playmakers. Show them what time it is! Holy catches! All right, Tyler Lockett, man, the biggest playmaker on office, honestly, other than Geno taking care of the football. Um, He had nine receptions for 107 yards on 11 targets. That was the 16th game for the Seahawks with 100 yards, man. And and he he got going. We saw a little bit of everything. We saw the underneath stuff. We saw the intermediate. And then we saw a long 27, 30-yard gain on a scramble from Geno to Tyler Lockett. We also saw him back during back there in the punt return game. And I hear this is something that he wanted to do. He wants to get back there and return punts. Just another example of the captain trying to do as much as he can for his football team. It's nice to see Tyler have a hundred yard game. He has 135 yards on the season so far. And for this offense to go, obviously the runs got to go, but pass game has to get going too. And Tyler Lockett is leading the way. Absolutely. Tyler Lockett. That, that's just Tyler Lockett, man. When you, when you see it, he's a Mr. Efficiency, nine receptions on 11 targets. There's going to be a ton of games this year where, Every time he's targeted, he catches the football. And that's just Tyler Lockett, yeah. Mr. Consistency. I love to see him back there on punts. I know there's a lot of questions around what happened on that muff punt situation. And that's on that's on your punt return team. Tyler Lockett, you can speak to this more than anyone bump as a returner. You can only focus on the football. You know what I'm saying? You're doing your job. You yeah. can't try to yell and tell people to you know get away. You can't rely on Peter calls from the sideline. This isn't high school. It's loud during an NFL play. <laughs> um, but anyway, I love to see I love to see Tyler back out there because he's the most sure-handed dude. And people forget. I mean, maybe they don't, but it's been a while. Tyler Lockett went to the Pro Bowl for his return game. Yes, he did. Yep. So yes, he did. Love to see that from Lockett on defense. Jordan Brooks, Cody Barn, inside linebackers making a ton of tackles. We're going to see this all throughout the season. Jordan Brooks had another day of double-digit tackles. Had 11 in the game yesterday. That was his 12th career game with 10-plus tackles since 2021, which is third in the National Football League in that time. Cody Borton also finished the game with 11 tackles. 
And I think, again, I think there's so much room, as good as those guys are going to be, there's so much room for them to grow, especially when you're playing in that 3-4 defense. It's hard when you're playing a team like San Francisco. They are so – a lot of people call it window dressing, but there's so much false reads and pulls and moats. Like, you have to be on it. Every single person in that front seven has to be communicating. If it's your job to get the edge, it's your job to get the edge. If it's your job to get hands-on guards and stuff, because those guys get to the second level. So Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton were definitely fighting through that a lot. Uh, against the 49ers so I love to watch them grow and continue and hopefully when they match up against the 49ers again in December it'll look a lot different from their perspective yeah it was a nice physical game yes they lost the game yes you felt like the uh the Niners were able to run that football but what they gained from that game is not going to be seen in the box scores right Mm -hmm. you're going to learn how to attack a, a pulling guard or a pulling tackle when they're trying to get up to that second level so yeah lots of pressure on them in that run game but they will live and they will learn. Lots of tackles from them. Um, but Jinder Wolves, who also stood out, man, he's been consistent so far on what week one to week two. He's probably been the most consistent defender for the Seattle Seahawks. He had four tackles, one pass defended, and three quarterback hits. Again, a lot of what he does isn't going to be seen. There were many times where they were trying to bounce the ball outside. He forced it inside to where he knew his help was at. He got his hand on the football, got three quarterback hits, did it legally too. No penalties. Mm-hmm. You know how hard that is, hitting the quarterbacks and not getting penalties. Um, and Chinna plays with a speed and a passion that I love. And even when the game was over, the game was pretty much decided in the fourth quarter with a few minutes left. He's still going hard. He's still talking like it's the first quarter. He has low-key been one of the best pickups in the NFL this year during the offseason. No question about it. I was super excited when I knew we were signing Uchenna just from what he did for the Chargers last year. And we've seen it every single day out here at practice. We saw it limited action in the preseason. And in these two games, he's just active. That's what I love about it. He's a disruptor. He's going to get pressure on. He's got good build. He can set the edge when run plays his way. He can drop out in coverage. He can get after the quarterback. So Uchenna is kind of the jack of all trades, and he's going to be – you know, one of the unsung heroes, unsung heroes for this defense, I think, as the season goes on. And then, Bump, we mentioned it a little bit. We're going to get into specifically the play that Michael Jackson and Tariq Woolen made. But those two guys, I mean, we can't say enough about them. I mean, we're going to keep talking about them all season. We know Turbo is yep. all about his guy, Tariq, trying to get him the key MVP. Him. If you're listening to <laughs> the Seahawks Post Game Show, you can catch all those segments on the Seahawks Rewind podcast. But those guys just continue to make plays. And I love that they're never – the reason something is happening poorly. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're never like, oh, man, they're not keeping guys in front. Oh, man, they're never there in run support. They're, they're yeah. guys that are, that are kind of learning through it. This is the most that they've played ever. You know what I'm saying? And they're kind of learning through as every game goes on. And I think they're just getting better week to week. Um, from the box score standpoint, Michael Jackson had six tackles in the game. Tariq added three. So they're still being active, making plays. So love to see that bump now. Not a lot to talk about in this next segment, but tell us about the wide receiver roundup. You mentioned Tyler Lockett, but not a ton of production elsewhere, especially from receivers. No, it was Tyler Lockett, man. Nine for 107 on 11 targets, nine catches. DK Metcalf got to find a way to get him more involved in his offense. Pete Carroll talked about that um, on his presser today. Uh, Six targets, four receptions, 35 yards, had a big 49 Yard game called back at a long of uh, 12. We got Travis Homer had four catches for 33 yards. Lots of check out check downs there along of 17. We got Noah Fant two for 11. D Eskridge one for six. And then Kenneth Walker two for five. So a little different from last week. Don't forget Uncle Will had two receptions as well. Didn't gain any yards, but a little different from last week. We saw the tight ends get more involved. We saw the receivers get some shots there. Uh, Tyler Lockett led the way. Something that you want to see. Now it's like, can you combine week one 
with week two as far as the targets and the receptions and then throwing number 14 because he's he's due for game two weeks now he hasn't really had his game yet it's time for him to shine no question about it and I think when Gino talked about in this postgame press conference that teams are doubling him teams are doubling DK they're trying to take him away that is their focal point you know from a receiver standpoint so what I want to see moving forward obviously Tyler's Tyler you're not going to contain both of them. One of them's typically going to have a game that they're around over 100 yards, you know, eight-plus receptions. So uh, we need to get DK more involved. And I also want to see Marquise Goodwin because what hasn't right. really been talked about is he's really emerged as that third receiver option just, uh, just from the standpoint of looking at snap counts. He's the one, other after DK and Tyler, Marquise Goodwin is getting a vast majority more of the reps at receiver over Penny Hart, over – um. Drake one wasn't active, but also over, you know, some of the other receivers in that room. So I really want to see Marquise get involved. We know he's a good football player. We know he can take the top off the defense. So it'll be good to see there. Now, Bum, let's get into the coach's corner, man. This is one of the really one of the best plays that we got to see. There wasn't a lot of positive action. Obviously, there was guys fighting hard. But this play we've been mentioning in all podcasts, Tariq Woolen blocks a field goal. Michael Jackson picks it up, runs it back 86 yards for a touchdown. He has one of 20 and one of 33 already. There's the snap, and it's blocked. I think it's Tariq Woolen coming the other way, sprinting down the near sideline. Michael Jackson, they're not going to get him. 40, 30, hand goes up, 10-5. Touchdown, Seahawks. What a play. Woolen blocks it. Jackson picks it up and goes about 80 yards with it for a touchdown. And the Seahawks are finally on the board with an incredible play by the special teams. Tariq Woolen, with all that speed and length off the corner, got there to knock it down, and Michael Jackson picked it up and was off to the races. What a big play. Is this going to spark the Seahawks as Myers comes on for the PAT? It is 20-6. to six. Man, just a great individual effort by Tariq Woolen there. He's the guy on the far end. Getting around, I believe that's Dwelly number 18, usually put, number 82, excuse me, usually put your, your tight ends on the uh, the edges there because they're used to playing on the edge of the line of scrimmage. Nice and tight around the corner. And then, man, this guy is 6'3", 6'4". I mean, yeah. long arms. I want to say, I don't know how long his wingspan is, but I'm just going to say hello. That's his wingspan. <laughs> yeah. and then Mike Jackson being on the right, right place at the right time once again, scoops and scores. But thankfully, Nasachobe, you've actually been in this position before. I've never been on field goal block. I've never been on field goal team. Um, I can only break it down as I watch it on film and walk the people through what it's like. Well, we'll start on the San Francisco side. When you're that end man on the line of scrimmage, right? Anyone on field goal block, the shortest route to the football is on the inside. So when you take your steps, you want to, you're with, if you're on this, the tight end for the 49ers is on the play side left. So your first step, you want to lean inside because you want to take away the first threat inside because the closest route to the football is from your inside. And then with the guy rushing on the outside, you just want to get just at least a hand on them to widen that edge. You don't need to blow them up. You don't need to do any of that. You just need to widen that edge. Now, when you got a freak athlete like Tariq Woolen on the other side of you, you might need to do a little bit more because you said this guy's 6'3". He's got tremendous bursts and speed, and he blocks this from far away. Most guys, I mean, throughout the league aren't getting close to this to blocking this. 
but he does a great job of getting that lean and getting tight. And from a rush standpoint, you want to turn that corner. You want to dip. It's almost like a pass rush when you're coming underneath and you rip underneath. You want to take that inside shoulder, get as low as you can, and just come around the corner as, as fast as possible. And that's exactly what happened. So if you're, if you're watching this in the San Francisco uh, film room, I think the teaching tape would be to try to get a little bit more of a hand. And your outside hand, it's got to be a punch. If you can get at yeah. least a punch, because if you knock that guy off, even just a little bit, guys are so good in the NFL of getting the snap to hold the kick. And uh, But Tariq Woolen is a different kind of dude. And, you know, I love this also because it puts this on tape. Now, every week when these guys are in the special teams meeting, that tight end or whoever's on the NBA line of scrimmage is thinking about it, like, okay, I got 27 on my side. I really got to do it right. And if that continues to happen, if that end man on line of scrimmage starts getting really concerned with the outside guy that leaves another lane for someone to rush from the inside of the end man on line of scrimmage and get another block. So it was great to see those two guys make a play. Tariq Woolen, you can't teach that freak athleticism. Mike Jackson, and also shout out to Mike Jackson. He's not an offensive player. He's not a running back, but the ball bounces <laughs> right to him, but he fields it cleanly in stride. It's almost like it was Clean. a play drawn up. He's on the other side of the line of scrimmage, comes across, looks, bounces right to him. He fields it cleanly, runs it back for a touchdown. So got to see it and bump. I'm just, you know, hold on. Hold on. Oh, I'm just oh. glad that kicker didn't run him down. If that kicker would have ran him down, that locker room would have been all on him. Good job, Mike. Oh, you know, that's what that. he was thinking when those legs were getting heavy. He's like, okay, I can't get tackled by the kicker because, yeah, man, especially <laughs> the way that game was going, can't have that. But, yeah, bump, we typically, we're hoping we're getting in that victory formation. Unfortunately, this week, the clock just ran out. A knee taken by Hundley. They're just going to let the clock wind down. Pete's not even going to bother taking that last time out. All right, man. The box score set it all for the Seahawks. The Niners dominated time of possession. You mentioned that earlier. Had the ball for 38 minutes and 20 seconds to the Seahawks. 40, uh, excuse me, 21 minutes and 40 seconds. 49ers had 25 first downs and the Seahawks had 14. That says a lot right there, right? You're not moving the ball. So that means you're not great on third down if you're not getting first downs and you don't have the football. So you are letting the other team control the pace of the game. The 49ers got ahead and never looked back. Yeah. It, I mean, just a bad day at the office. There's not a lot of other ways to say it. It wasn't one of those games that was so bad where you're just like, yeah, let's delete the film. We just got to go to the next opponent because we can't get anything from that. It was a bad day at the office, but there's a lot of good teaching tape, I think from all the young guys to learn, you know, how to get better coaching staff all the way down. So I think, you know, I, I think the Seahawks are going to get better from this. Obviously you want to get better in wins, but real lessons get learned on Mondays. The guys are down there telling the truth today for sure. So I think people are going to get a big dose of that humble pie kind of back on track. And I think, you know, a young team like this too is they don't know any better bump. So after they lose, they're coming right back at it. They're, they're, yep. they're not dwelling. Pete Carroll and the coaching staff does a great job of turning the tide, I will say for the 49er fans, go for y'all, man. This is kind of a rare Monday for y'all. Um, only the third time <laughs> they beat the Seahawks in the last 17 games. So congratulations wow. to the, everyone down there in Santa Clara and the Bay Area. You got yourself one. <laughs> Live it up. Live it up because uh, Hawks is coming back. Don't even trip. The Niners ran 70 plays. The Hawks ran 47 plays. Again, another telling sign that um, you just weren't really controlling the game. The Seahawks were penalized 10 times. We've talked about that. And the Niners just once. I doubt there was just one penalty out there for the 49ers. But sometimes it just be like that. Yeah, like we said, Mama. So there'll be days like this, but the Seahawks are still one and one tied with everyone else in the NFC West. So 
They are going to turn the page. Got the Atlanta Falcons coming into town. It should be a fun matchup on Sunday. The pregame gets going at 10 a.m. Kickoff at 125. It should be a fun matchup. That was the recap edition. The Seahawks fall to the 49ers 27-7. Remember, you can catch all of our podcasts on Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, as well as SiriusXM now. We'll be back with it on Wednesday as the Seahawks take on the Atlanta Falcons. Until next time, talk to you then.